Everyone eats out every day, but people don't think about how food arrives on the plate. This is Grounded, and I'm Lauren Mitchell. Join me as we delve deep into the challenges, expertise, and experiences of professionals and innovators in the food service industry. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators. Hi, it's Stephanie with your two minute fresh from the field update. Celery seems to be the hot topic of the week. Supplies are below average, and unfortunately, we will continue to see shortages until mid or late June. Growers are having harvest ahead of time to remedy the quality issues they would see if they left them in the field to mature. Due to this, we are seeing smaller sizes. On a brighter note, weather in the Salinas Valley has been great, and most commodities seem to be steady. Check out this week's Fresh from the Field. We'll be interviewing our own PA procurement team to find out these questions everybody wants answered. What does cedars and celery mean? Also, we'll be checking out some great commodities from our rural partner, Church Brothers. Tune in. All right, a true professional in the food service industry. We have today's guest who's been a longtime client of Produce Alliance. He's worked with Great American Restaurants, which is a high-volume Northern Virginia restaurant group with six different concepts. He spent 18 years in a wide variety of purchasing positions, including Johnny Carino's with more than 175 corporate and franchise-owned locations, and Boston Market with more than 750 locations. Currently, he's with Scratch Kitchen-style concept Firebirds Wood-Fired Grill, where he just earned a promotion into Senior Vice President of Purchasing. Welcome, Mr. Steve Crouch. (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. All right, let's dig in. So, Steve, our listeners come from a variety of backgrounds. Some folks who just enjoy eating out and want to learn more about where their food comes from. Some folks who are involved in supply chain and logistics or others like you and I just in the food service industry. But let's start off hearing straight from you with a senior position in purchasing. What is your scope of responsibility for a multi-state scratch kitchen style restaurant like Firebirds involve? Well, uh, it is pretty involved in that uh, I touch on pretty much anything that is purchased or used, whether it be uh, products, ingredients, services. And so uh, myself and my team gets the uh, pleasure of digging into a wide variety of items, you know, anywhere from uh, produce, of course, but uh, proteins. And we also get to have fun and deregulated energy markets and uh, other services as such as linen and and uh, uh, equipment and smallware. So it's a uh, it's a pretty big job, but uh, it is very rewarding. Now, when you're spread across different categories like that, would you say one is more challenging than the other? I mean, especially considering produce compared to linens. You know, you're working with perishable items, you know, things with short shelf life. It's uh, uh, it's definitely more challenging to make sure that they're moving, you know, appropriately and fast enough and uh, that we get to keep the quality high for the guests. Sure. So with that in mind, what is one thing that you wish your produce distributor or vendor knew that could help you serve your restaurants better? Well, I think um, for us, you know, we look at uh, each piece of of produce and whether it's produce or other perishables like salmon and beef and so forth. We look at it with a critical eye when it comes in and, you know, 
our goal is is to kind of relay that same message to our suppliers to have them look at it with the same critical eye that we do and and really what it does is it ensures full flavor for the guests and and definitely a vibrant presentation i love that yeah yeah instagrammable plates as they that's say that's right that's right. All right. So they say moments of massive disruption can lead to a great mm-hmm. opportunity. And um, certainly in produce, we are accustomed to problem solving and challenges frequently. Can you give me an example of how a market disruption or a specific challenge has led you to a strategy that you're still u- utilizing today? It's been quite a few years ago, but uh, we had a distributor that was destroyed by a tornado. And uh, it it was uh, our only DC and it serviced uh, approximately 100 restaurants in a regional market. And um, we really had to think outside the box. We had to contact suppliers, reroute uh, inbound trucks to different distributors. Um, we had trailers on the side of the road. We had deliveries coming to our home office in which we shuttled. So we really had to like, you know, seriously dig in, analyze all of the different movements within the supply chain and try to ensure that products got to the restaurant so that we get to take care of our guests. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, sports. If you've never gone hard, um, (laughs) it's hard to go hard. But once you've gone hard, you know, it makes it easier to go hard the next time. And, you know, unfortunately, we had that same kind of effect a couple of years ago with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, you know, we shut down for three days in in one market. And we actually, we shut down for a day in the Pennsylvania market. And, and the group of us said, well, why are we doing that? Let's shift. Let's pivot. Let's make sure that we take care of the guests as best as we can, because everybody's kind of in the same situation. And uh, it allowed us to really regroup and think out of the box and figure out how we're going to take care of the business as well as, you know, the communities and our guests. One thing with the pandemic, I think anyone who's working at the time has explicit memories of just, you know, everything that led up to it being a certain rhythm or pattern and then it just being such a great interruption. And I know one thing for me was what you just alluded to is having kind of the same concept of restaurant or quick serve that all had to kind of pivot and watching the different practices people were employing with quick thinking right away. Um, and then just here at Produce Alliance, being able to share some of those successes that we're working with our partners was, you know, a great part of being a part of a, a team like ours or a network like ours um, mm. to support um, our restaurant partners. Um, you know, it, it is it was so scary to see perishable items that could potentially go to waste just at the the scale that our distributors had them. I, I was working for a distributor at the time. So walking through the halls, it was just uh, heartbreaking. And and we wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we found um, homes for the product right away. Very scary oh, yeah. time. Yeah. And can't imagine a tornado too. That is just crazy <laughs> that you experienced that. Crazy. <laughs> it was it was crazy. You're someone of a mentor for David Krauss. And <laughs> one, <laughs> one trait he mentioned um, that set you apart specifically was your knowledge of the business and most specifically the costing and just how you had this understanding of what goes into the cost of every single item um, on a menu and on a plate. Mm-hmm. So looking back from when you started your career, you know, what do you believe to be a a great improvement in the supply chain industry 
from when you started to, to where we're at now? Well, I think, uh, you know, sharing of information has improved greatly. I think people that are just entering into the supply chain arena can do is, is uh, you know, there's so many resources to learn and really you just need to, to dig deep into, you know, the basis of these ingredients down to the smallest common denominator. And then you have to stay updated on them. And, and there's, you know, there's so many resources. Uh, your supplier is a great resource. Um, <clears throat> there's industry publications. There's, uh, uh, you know, peers are a great source as well. And, and so just building strong relationships with, with different informational outlets is, is uh, very apparent. So access to information, certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people are distracted by shiny new things and thinking about key principles um, and decision making. What would you say would be a key principle um, and core to how you make decisions for Firebirds, Wood Fire Grill that's been key to your success and, and certainly the success of the brand? I've had a lot of different experiences with different types of restaurant concepts. And, you know, one thing that I've learned over the past is that. I really prefer working, you know, with a group that believes in a high quality statement. When you start to understand the ingredients being used in a specific dish and and so forth, it kind of goes back to the core of, you know, a recipe. And uh, a lot of concepts, um, you know, take a different approach to that. And that's that's great. But, uh, you know, the the shiny thing doesn't always, you know, portray the message that you're trying to, you know, trying to relate to the guests. And that's what, uh, that's what keeps us grounded here. All right. So how many states is Firebirds in? I think I counted 20 different states. We are 20 states. So I'm in Minnesota and you're not here yet. (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) Is that on the horizon? Um, I don't think it is yet. Um, we do have a lot of white space and, uh, we do have a lot of growth planned, but, uh, I don't, I don't think it's on the plans yet. Okay. Okay. So tell me more about that, just multi-state growth and, and kind of what goes into implementing, um, you know, a a new restaurant across state lines. What are some of the challenges Mm -hmm. that that might bring, or, um, even some of the excitement to that? And how do you guys make that decision, um, you know, some kind of saturate in one market and then uh, gain the confidence to move across a state line. But in your case, mm-hmm. you know, certainly in several different states. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So it can be pretty difficult moving into a new state. Um, you have to find, you know, find and, and source new suppliers specifically on the, on the perishable lines, but also with your grocery distributor, you know, uh, our founders, uh, developed the concept in Charlotte and quickly took it outside mm-hmm. of the state to see if it had reach within, you know, other demographics and, and customer bases. And so we've always kind of had that maverick spirit of, you know, wanting to go beyond the boundaries, if you will. Um, and, you know, uh, next year we're opening in Arkansas, which will be a new state for us. Very um, cool. Last year we opened in Texas, which was a new state for us. And so, Really, it's it's kind of you know continually mapping the puzzle 
and, and trying to figure out where you're going to put specific pieces and how those pieces are going to fit overall. So uh, just a lot of, of forethought. Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, the cool thing too is, is uh, the team is very open to, you know, me saying, mm, I don't know about that region or that state. And so we really have a collaborative group here that uh, talks about, you know, all of the major decisions that we make as we expand. So how do you lean into trends um, or, you know, decisions that drive change within the menu specifically? What considerations do you make prior to making investments into, you know, a core menu change? How frequently has that happened? We rarely change the core menu, um, significantly anyway. Um, a lot of things that we do revolve around um, uh, testing through LTOs, Um also, we do have a, a secondary concept within our concept called Firebar, and it allows us to rapidly introduce new items to our bar guests to see what kind of legs they have to perhaps make the main menu. So, um, like I said, we don't make a lot of changes, but uh, we do some research and we we do listen to our guests and, and our demographics to make sure that, you know, We've that they've got some legs behind them before we uh, take up that real estate. Very cool. So utilize your bar menu as kind of a springboard for you know potential mm -hmm. new current uh, permanent menu changes. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Um, does that same bar menu do carry out service or take home as well? They do. Mm -hmm. yes. Do you notice a, a difference between um, favorite items being in restaurant versus those ordered from from or for home? Um, I don't see a lot of differences. I think there's, you know, probably some slight differences based off of, you know, how, how well the different items travel. Um, you know, if you looked at our to-go business, it's probably more full menu. If you look at our delivery business, it's probably a little, you know, a little tighter segment of our menu, you know, things that travel well, salads and pastas and so forth. Okay. So a little bit more with trends and performance that I'm curious about. And I'm sure. looking back at 2022, how, how do you and your team measure your performance for 2022? How did you gauge success um, or, or specific trends? Yeah. So we had, um, we had a great 2021 and uh, coming off of 2021, we knew 22 was going to be great as well. And mm -hmm. um, we just really nailed it. And really, um, you know, it was kind of a it was kind of a um, culmination of coming out of COVID. Um, we gained a lot of to go business through different efforts that we had, whether it be through our virtual concepts, noodles and greens, and Fireburger, or um, or through delivery. And so, um, we stayed in the forefront of our guest minds, so that when they were ready to come back out in full force. You know, we were front and center and, and you know, ready to, you know, re ready to take care of them and uh, show them a good time. And uh, it was uh, it was a great year. Awesome. Um, the virtual concepts, did those come out as a result of the pandemic and are they still around? They did and they are. Um, we are. I think we might have just a couple locations left uh, that are not running one of the con one of the concepts, 
mostly just from a volume standpoint and, and uh, you know, how to execute it out of that busy of a kitchen. But uh, both of them are, are still alive and active. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're just starting to uh, work on catering and one of the virtual concepts will, uh, will be a catering vehicle as well. That's outstanding. Yeah. So those who are not familiar, virtual concept or a ghost kitchen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially it's utilizing the same kitchen space that you guys operate out of for Firebirds Wood Fired Grill um, and lift up different brands that are available for, for online or takeout. That's new LTOs there as well, I'm sure. So in our industry, relationships uh, certainly keep our business grounded. And you talked on that a little bit earlier, just the information sharing, um, especially in situations of challenge. Tell me the values that your approach specifically um, or day-to-day work is grounded in. We need to be kind with our suppliers. We need to be empathetic. They really do everything for us. Um, you know, with without them, we wouldn't be here. Um, if we're not here, the you know, the guest isn't there. And and uh really it's it's kind of a you know symbiotic relationship in that. Um, everybody relies on each other and and we need to remember that when things may get a little frustrating from time to time and, um, you know, just being gracious and thankful that, you know, the driver is showing up at eight o'clock with the produce order, uh, the driver showing up with, you know, the beef order, the seafood order, the linen order, um, you know, they're, they're, showing up to do work on the kitchen equipment. If we take that approach with all of our suppliers, um, you know, we're just so much further ahead, um, you know, and, and being successful because everybody succeeds together. Steve, I think that answer may be my favorite. I'm still pretty early on in the <laughs> process, but uh, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, the drivers do, uh, for one, an incredible job in the dark early mornings, um, getting food mm. through into the kitchens, um, in and off of trucks with dollies. I don't think people recognize the weight of a 50 pound bag of colossal yellow onions, unless you've been a, <laughs> a sales rep like myself and how to recover and, and drag one in yourself. So, um, yes. you know, it's, uh, it's it's a crazy process, but also um, everyone from the warehouse to the selectors, um, you know, the food safety, it's just, it's a pretty complex deal. So I it is uh, gracious and thankful. I love that. What keeps you up at night right now? What um, What are the challenging aspects of supply chain as it sits in March, 2023 and uh, senior vice president of purchasing? Yeah, during COVID, it was a little rough. Um uh, just because we didn't want to let our guests down, you know, and we didn't want to, we didn't want to let our, you know, our team members down. And so, and and that's, you know, really when we run into those situations, that's, that's what keeps me up is, is, you know, not being able to fulfill the needs of the restaurant. And then thus, of course, the guests. And I mean, we have a lot of tricks up our sleeves and we can pretty much make anything happen anytime, mm. but uh, you know, when, when you go into that bag and it just doesn't work, that that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. So other than the food being fantastic, why do people choose Firebirds? Well, it's the experience. We bring a, a different level of service to the, each and every table. Um, identify, you know, why our guests are there. Make sure that they're having a good time while they're there. 
um, taking care of their needs. You know, we do a lot of things that you would expect in fine dining, um, even at, you know, more of a, a casual environment. Um, you can come in in shorts and get a burger and a beer. You can come in and get a steak and a lobster tail. Uh, it's it's family friendly. Um, we have a lot of parties and celebrations, and uh, it's just it's just a great time. Very cool. So my experience um, as sales rep too for a distributor, you know, things would happen, and and actually it was down in northern Alabama. A tornado would rip through a town, and and some of the restaurants would open up the next day out of a benefit for the cause. Mm. Um, and I see all kinds of different charitable initiatives, you know, over different brands, but I'm, I'm curious if Firebirds has one. And if so, you know, what are you guys passionate about? Well, you're wearing our favorite color, um, <laughs> which is uh, symbolic of lemons. And uh, about 11 years ago, um, we were able to uh, connect with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. And it has been a great relationship. Um their primary goal is fighting childhood cancer. Mm. Um, Alex, who was the um, really the founder of, of the foundation when she was young, decided that she wanted to raise money so that her doctors could research and fight childhood cancer. Um, and she did that by developing or by opening a lemonade stand. Oh, very and, cool. And so uh, every year during lemonade days, which this year it's June 9th through the 11th, we set up lemonade stands in front of all of our restaurants and in the communities and take donations uh, for the foundation. We also uh, have a few other partners that we work with. Um, of course, Produce Alliance is a huge partner with us uh, in this endeavor. And um, but we also have partners such as Tito's and we give uh, uh, donations off of Tito's lemon drops, Lawler's with uh, lemon cake. We do a roundup on uh, each of the checks. Um, and we've really been able to uh, make an impact within Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. And they've really been able to make an impact in the research, which is just amazing. Uh, the story that Liz Scott told last year was that um, they've made so much progress in the research and the treatment based off of, of their involvement that their daughter, Alex, uh, would probably still be alive today. Oh. Yeah. Just heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad you guys do that and yeah. I'm grateful to be a partner in it too. That's awesome. Okay. Um, well, we'll look for that out there. So you said June 9th to 11th. That's awesome. That's right. And if people want to know more about, um, you know, how to give, I assume access the website Firebirds. That's right. Awesome. All right. So take me back a little to, to little Steve. Where did you grow up? <laughs> so I grew up in Indiana, Northern okay. Indiana. And uh, from there, where did you venture off to? How about for college? So for college, I went to Ball State University in Muncie okay. because they would have me. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what did you major in? Uh, I majored in uh, marketing, sales and promotion. So, you know, I sit at the other end of the table now or the opposite side of the table now. Okay. 
Um, and then from there, uh, I got this bike racing bug and um, ended up in Colorado, uh, racing against the best in, in the U.S. And, uh, and then, yeah, started working and having a family. So it's been quite a ride. So quite a ride, bike racing. Yeah. Are you, are you talking mountain bike racing or road bike racing? So uh, originally it was road. And then uh, I spent some time mountain bike racing when I when I lived in Colorado. Um, and uh, this year uh, I'm joining the track racing foray uh, for the first time. So. But I'm a runner. So when you say track, I, I think of running around an oval. I'm, I'm assuming this is different and involves a bike. Tell me more. <laughs> so it is an oval. Okay. Um, they range anywhere from 200 to 333 meters. They're banked. Uh, you ride a bike with no brakes and you can't coast. Wow. I've never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Uh, typically the tracks are called velodromes. Okay. Yeah. You have to look it up. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> it sounds exciting. I love it. it is. Um, have you ever been to a Grateful Dead concert? <laughs> no, I have not <laughs> been to a Grateful Dead concert. However, <laughs> as you probably already know, since you brought it up, mm. <laughs> uh, I have seen Dead and Company. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dead and Company. Okay. That's All right. right. All right. So going back to early on in life, um, is there something that you learned then that's strangely relevant to today and what you're doing today? You know, it was kind of rural Indiana. So, you know, <laughs> there's definitely uh, a lot of corn. Um, you know, so I did some work in some cornfields and some work in some chicken houses and, um, you know, just kind of a Midwest, you know, hard, full work ethic. Um, you know, I started working when I was really young in restaurants and, um, yeah, just, you know, it's kind of doing the deal. I meet a lot of people that started out just working in restaurants, which I love, I love hearing that because starting there just gives you such an important perspective to carry with you throughout your career. Oh, it does. I mean, it definitely does. It's all about hospitality. So. It is. Okay. So our, our favorite closer questions, I'm going to ask a, a few right in a, in a row here and, and tell okay. me what kind of comes top of mind. Okay. What tool in your workday saves you the most time? Yeah. So uh, probably early mornings and just planning, you know, planning the day and making sure that uh, you're addressing the goals that you need to accomplish and you know, kind of compartmentalizing emails so that you can actually concentrate on, you know, your goal for the day. Of course, you've got to come back and, you know, work through the emails. But, um, you know, I've found recently that I've been pretty good at just letting those sit on the sideline for an hour while I, you know, finish something up and then come back and attack those hard. Yeah, I love that. I love the early mornings. It's a, it's a nice private space in the day. It's just it is. Get, get stuff done for sure. All right. So to the next generation of supply or procurement folks, what is your best secret that you're willing to share? Probably, um, you know, kind of going back to, to being kind and gracious and, and uh, um, just really owning 
what you're doing. I've got some pretty good uh, specific background and in, in different categories. And I think that once you have that understanding of, of those ingredients and so forth, they just kind of carry on and you can brush up on, you know, what's going on. So I think for, you know, like a category manager specifically, you know, just really owning those ingredients, you know, from the ground up all the way through the supply chain and, you know, staying updated on, you know, what's going on within those. Um, and then I think, you know, really the other last thing is, is, is being open-minded enough to listen um, because you'll always learn something if you, if you just be quiet for a moment and listen to, you know, what people say, you, there's so many different things that you can pick up from, from different conversations if you listen. Yeah, it's interesting. The the more that I learn, the more that I understand I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. All right. How about how about a mentor for you? Do you do you have a mentor in in what way? What's what's stuck with you from them? You know, my first mentor was my was my mother. Hmm. Um, she taught me how to fight, uh, to never give up, see it through to the end. And then uh, you know, I've had a couple other mentors along the way that really kind of taught me how to work with purpose and intensity. And I've had, I've had other mentors that, you know, really kind of taught me how to break things down to the, to the smallest unit and, and understand, you know, kind of a, a macroeconomic approach to, um, you know, what could be driving different costs or, um, you know, different supply demand type situations. And so, um, you know, it, throughout all of these, you know, different people and so forth, it, it, it feels like, you know, I can attack different topics that I haven't been able to attack before and 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 have a pretty quick understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and, and where they might end up going. What excites you about the future? Growth. We have new financial partners mm-hmm. with Carnet Station. I saw that. Yeah. And uh, we're uh, all extremely excited about the growth that we'll experience over the next few years. Um, We've got four locations opening this year. We've got seven signed for next year, Um, you know, different states. And and really, it's, you know, growth is is great on the surface, you know, for an organization. But it's really about the growth that we see you know, from a supplier standpoint, you know, suppliers get to grow. Uh, we get to see our team members grow into new roles as, as you know, we expand, uh, which is always great to see, you know, promote with from withins, you know, making it to the next level. Um, and then, of course, communities, you know, we um, uh, we get to help out communities and 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 obviously Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. So. Um, it's, it's exciting. Growth is exciting. I, I want to go where, where you can grow for sure. And that's uh, right. like you said, it's, it benefits all, but it's also just a really thrilling environment to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you just see it spill out into so many areas. So I love that. And I'm so excited for you guys. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't know that was, um, all right, so we call it pick or kick, staple produce okay. item for a burger. What what can you not imagine a burger or at least Steve's ideal burger to be without? <laughs> lettuce. Lettuce. Specific or, lettuce? <laughs> or 
or actually I'm going to, I'm going to uh, kick that and I'm going to okay. go to roasted poblano. Roasted poblano. Nicely yes. done. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So how about um, connecting? Where can people find you if they've heard something today that they want to understand more about, or perhaps just reach out and ask a question uh, you are a wealth of knowledge. And like I said, a mentor for, for folks on staff here at Produce Alliance. I can see why you are um, so kind and um, so smart. So where can people get a hold of you? Well, they can uh, email me okay. at scrouch at fbgrill.com. Okay. Um, they can uh, reach through purchasing in Firebirds. Uh, or through fbgrill.com if you know uh, if they want to um they can contact produce alliance and you know we can set up some kind of a uh you know three-way call or zoom meeting perfect and you're on linkedin i imagine too and i'm on linkedin awesome and then for those who want to learn more about the lemonade um, or firebirds or all things on their menu, which is again, scratch style kitchen, delicious. It's firebirdsrestaurants.com. Right. Thank you, Steve. Very Thanks, much. Lauren. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners. If you learned something today or laughed, tell someone about this podcast grounded and uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode. We have covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for joining. For show notes and our most updated market report, visit us at groundedthepod.com. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators by leveraging technology, talent, and an insatiable appetite to improve. <laughs>